mentioned uh, a little while ago, after after the message today, we got a um, we got a brief building update that we're going to be telling you some things. We're also going to uh, get uh, uh, a vote of either yeah or nay of approval on one particular thing from from our members uh, that are present here today. Uh, but uh, we're getting in that area that you're going to start hearing a whole lot more of this. It's going to be brought up more and more. And as I think Brother Bobby put it, we're, going, we're uh, fixing to get on the fast track towards uh, getting our building uh, uh, built and getting back home. Hallelujah. And that will be a blessing. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. We're going to get into the Word right now. We appreciate everybody that's come out to be with us on this Easter Sunday. and uh, We have enjoyed uh, the presence of the Lord and fellowship uh, up to this present point. And uh, we're going to get into the Word of God. And I hope that something that we can say today um, will uh, benefit you. Uh, if there's anybody here amongst the visitors or whether you might not be a visitor, you, you may be a been coming off and on for a while, but maybe you don't have everything fixed up with the Lord. Uh, I, I remember the five years ago when I baptized Douglas, I said, you know what, that's the best way to spend an Easter Sunday. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. As you said, they came to the altar uh, on Palm Sunday a week uh, before that and uh, and then uh, was, was baptized and we just still rejoicing with Him in our spirit. We're going to go to the book of Acts, chapter 4, and we're going to read verses 8 through 10 as an opening text today. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Acts, chapter 4, uh, verses 8 through 10. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man stands here before you whole. Let's pray. Father God, as we come today, we thank you and we praise you, Lord, for the opportunity we have to be here today. And Lord, we just glorify you and thank you for coming to this earth, giving your life as a ransom for our sins. I pray, Lord, if there's anybody in this house who's not ready to meet you, that they will make that decision before this service ends today. Let your anointing rest upon us because we uh, are nothing without you. I cannot do anything apart from you, Lord. In Jesus' name, let the church say, God bless you. You can be seated. Hallelujah. Peter told those rulers back then, he said, Let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, I want to use that text and preach to you the next few moments on the subject title, Our God is a Resurrecting God. Hallelujah. Anybody believe that? Our God is a Resurrecting God. 
As we have come together today on this Resurrection Sunday, our minds and thoughts are focused on the foundation and core of who we are as believers and members of the body of Christ. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ represent the very heart of the Christian faith. Amen. You see, there were three men actually crucified on Calvary's hill on the eventful day so long ago. But only one man came out of the grave three days later holding the keys of death and the grave in his hands. And that man was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Hallelujah. Give him a hand clap of praise. Glory to God. Glory to God. If this does not excite you, then you're unexcitable. Hallelujah. Glory to God. If this does not stir you, then you can't be stirred. Hallelujah. Amen. The Romans, they, they crucified, amen, thousands of people back in that day. But of everyone who was ever crucified by the hands of a Roman soldier, there was only one who came out, amen, showing the proof with the nail scars in his hands. Glory to God. And praise God by the grace of God. Not by my goodness, not by my good works, but by His grace one day I'll be able to shake hands with that nail-scarred hand. In the Scripture that we read, we find the Apostle Peter standing before the same rulers and elders who had condemned Christ to His death being questioned over the miraculous healing of the lame man at the temple gate. And Peter boldly declared that God had raised the one who they had crucified from the dead. Hallelujah. He stood there boldly and declared. Now, church, listen to me. No matter how you define it, no matter what you may say about it, hallelujah, if God raised up Christ from that tomb three days after that horrible resurrection, then there's no other way around it. That makes God a resurrecting God. Hallelujah. Thank God I serve a resurrecting God today. Hallelujah. Now there are, there's a few things that, that I want to share with you about that to give us hope today. Some people might say, well, you know, that's fine for them back then, but that's 2,000 years ago. How can this affect my life? Well, you know, number one, the main thing is, amen, it affects our life that He is the resurrection and the life. And the Bible said, if you believe, Jesus said, if you believe in me, though you were dead, yet shall you what? Hallelujah. So it does affect our lives. It affects every one of us. But there's some other things that kind of gets it down to the nitty-gritty that the Spirit of God placed upon my heart that I want to share with you today. Number one, as God being a resurrecting God, number one, God can resurrect your hopes. Seemed like the Spirit of God dealt with me as I was praying. And I just felt it in my spirit that there's going to be some people in this congregation here today who's got some dead hopes. One time, the hopes that you had for your life, amen, they have been shattered. And you said those hopes, those dreams, they are long dead. 
But I'm here to tell you today, church, we serve a resurrecting God. Hallelujah. And it don't matter how far gone the devil might whisper in your ear today and tell you that all your hopes is gone, all your hopes is past. I'm here to tell you we serve a resurrecting God, able to resurrect even our hopes. In the book of Luke, chapter 21, 24, verse 21, we find this scripture. But we were hoping. You notice that you can see it on the screen. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Now just leave that scripture up there for a moment. And I, I want to talk just briefly about Put, put that scripture in there. Later on in the afternoon on that Sunday, resurrecting Sunday, later on in the late evening as, a, as the sun was setting, there were two of the followers of Jesus who had left Jerusalem and they was walking towards a little small town by the name of Emmaus. The foot Note in my Bible says Emmaus is about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were walking along. They were sad. Their, their, their hearts was, was broken. They were grieving. But as they was walking down this, on this seven-mile stretch going to Emmaus, Brother Steve, Jesus appeared to them. He started walking with them. I want to tell somebody here. That God wants you to know something. You ain't never alone. I don't care what you go through, the death of a, a loved one or friend or, or whatever you come up against or whatever you got to deal with, whatever kind of junk that you know, that is strode on near near this life. Amen. You are not walking alone, brother. Hallelujah. Jesus has said in His Word that I would never leave you nor forsake you. Hallelujah. I could not make it if it wasn't for the Lord. I promise you. And brother Rick, I know you can, amen, deal with this right here and understand. That if it hadn't been for God with some of the things we go through, we would lose our mind. Don't look up with your head so high and mighty and righteous and say it ain't happened to you. It happens to all of us. Those two, those two men were walking ever so slowly towards the mess. Their hearts was broke. The dream shattered. Jesus appeared to him, Brother Wayne. And he, he, he asked him a question. Now, now get this now. They didn't... They were so caught up in their own grief that they didn't even recognize Jesus walking by them. Hallelujah. Sometimes we can get so caught up in the problems of our own life that Jesus is standing and walking with us with the hand stretched out to put around us. Hallelujah. Do you know Jesus wants to talk to every one of us here today, every day? Hallelujah. Listen. 
Jesus' life would be kind of dull indeed if the only ones he could talk to was preachers. Come on, somebody. He wants to talk to all of his children. He wants a relationship with you. You see, and those of you that's been around here long, longest, and, and, and you understand how we preach it here, when I, let me tell you something. God does not want nobody here. He don't want you to become religious. We got too much religion in the world now. There are wars fought over religion. All these guys strapping bombs around them and going in, uh, into public places and blowing themselves up along with hundreds of innocent people. They do that in the name of religion. I'm not offering you a religion today. I'm trying to tell you about a relationship that you can have with Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Don't get so tied up in your own life and your own struggles that you can't not even recognize Jesus standing there ready. Say, what are y'all walking along so sad and all this, man, y'all, <laughs> you don't look like you've been sucking on a dill pickle. <laughs> What's going on? And they said, well, you just a stranger here? Don't you know what has happened in, uh, in these recent days? Jesus Christ, He's the one that we was hoping we was hoping he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. My, my, my. And they still didn't recognize him. And they kept on walking. I'm not going to continue that story because it takes me away from the message God is leading me. But we got enough there to let us know that their hopes were shattered. Their hopes was dead. Folks, many times in life, we become distraught and disillusioned, losing hope because of unexpected events that sort of knock the wind out from ourselves. Anybody been there? Hallelujah. You 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 you're on the sea of life, just sailing around real good and uh, and enjoying life and family and friends, and all of a sudden, unexpectedly, some chain of events takes place. See, I realized six years ago when I got the phone call, I found out that uh, my wife was uh, in Vanderbilt Hospital in the trauma unit. I found out how quick your life can be changed in just a moment's time. Hallelujah. That's why it's important for us every day to live our life to the fullness and live it pleasing God. Because you don't know what day is going to be your last. Hallelujah. Now, I've heard people make different statements on this, but I'm not. I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to judge. 
because that's not what God called me to do. But I just, you know, they just come out on the news report just in the last couple of days. The toxicology report about Whitney Houston. And they let out some things. They said some of the things they let out, it really tore mother up. But they found traces of cocaine in her system. They seen a spoon with a powdery substance residue still left there on a table in the bathroom. And I've been wondering ever since that happened, you know, how can somebody uh, drown? I was thinking just laying back, you know, in a tub, but the coroner said that when they found her, she was face down in the water. And they says that what it looks like, she passed out from all the partying, the alcohol and the drugs that was in her system, and she was drawing bath water to take a bath. Her body abusing it for so long all those years, she passed out. And when she passed out, she fell over forward into a tub of water. Now, I told you I wasn't going to judge her and condemn her. I can't do that. God's the only judge. But I will say this. If she wasn't ready, she didn't have time to call on God. That's what we need to be concerned about. Because sometimes people who leave this life, it's a drawn out thing. And they, they know for months in advance that they're going to they're leave here and they have some time. But listen, folks, why would you want to play with your soul and in eternity? Because everybody who leaves this life, it's not a drawn out thing. A lot of folks are taken out instantly and quick, unexpectedly. That's why that we need each day to make sure that our call that we make our calling and election sure. Hallelujah. That's how come. Listen, amen. If I didn't know beyond a shadow of a doubt that Christ Jesus lives in my heart and He has forgiven my sins through His blood and by His grace, I would not leave this place today until I had that assurance. Hallelujah. Amen. But I want to tell you something. There's some folks struggling with dead hope. Just like these two men walking to a, down the road of Emmaus. Hallelujah. You're going around, everything's looking fine, then suddenly something happens that knocks the wind out of you. But if you know the Lord, your hope is closer than what you realize. Now those two disciples, they knew the Lord. And they was thinking it was hopeless. They was walking down the road thinking everything was hopeless, that their hope was dead. But their hope was nearer than what they realized. Glory! Their hope was walking right along beside them, praise the Lord. Don't you ever let the devil tell you there ain't no hope no more for you. Hey, don't you let some preacher tell you you ain't got hope. As long as there's breath in the body, there's hope. 
If you breathe and you got hope. Listen, folks. Everything is not lost. All is not lost. You need to allow God to resurrect the hopes in your life and renew, renew faith in your soul. Our God is a resurrector of dead dreams and bewildered hopes. It's not too late. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not too late. Hallelujah. Now, let me see the hand of everybody in here if you really believe that. Do you honestly believe that? It's not too late. Nothing is impossible with God. Listen, don't say that you're too old now. Hallelujah. Man, ain't it amazing how we, we start making excuses. Hallelujah. It's kind of like the Kingsman come out with that song, Excuses, years ago. Excuses, excuses. Hallelujah. I can't believe that some people quit church and walk out on God just because the preacher didn't even shake my hand. Are you going to let a preacher who forgot to shake your hand keep you out of glory? Think about it. Hallelujah. Don't say that you're too old now. Remember how old Abraham and Sarah were? I'm talking about God who's a resurrector of hope. Abraham and Sarah had hope for years. Hallelujah. That God was going to give them a child. Amen. That the promise that God has made. No doubt the devil whispered in their ear saying, You're too old now, Abe. You're too old. Hallelujah. Lord of God. The devil talking to Sarah and says, Mary Kay can't help you. Hello, somebody. You're just too old. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 11 and 12. This is what, how you deal with the devil right here. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. Glory to God. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. And now we're talking about Abraham. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. On this resurrection Sunday, hallelujah, I tell you who think your hope is gone, on this resurrection Sunday, I say let God resurrect your hope. Let me move on. Number two, God can resurrect your ministry. Now we're going, to, we're, going, we're going to get out of where the river meets the road right now. When I'm talking about ministry, 
I'm not just talking about somebody standing up behind the pulpit. Hallelujah. Every child of God has got a ministry to perform. Do you know what the word ministry means? It, it has nothing to do with preaching. Ministry don't mean preaching. To be a minister is to be a servant. To serve. So as I get into this part, don't look around and say, well, he's, this is not for me. He's talking about God resurrecting somebody's ministry. The Lord spoke strong in my spirit, and I, and I know that there's some people sitting here with some ministries that God has ordained them many years ago, even as a children. And even of late, the devil has told you that ministry is dead. It's over. John chapter 21, verses 15 through 17. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said, Tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, Do you love me? And, as, and, and he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Now I'm not going to get into the details of how come the three things times Jesus asked, but I do believe there's a reason behind it. But that's not part of my message. But this is what I want to talk. Failure is not something that we like to talk about. You see, Peter at this point knew what failure was all about. Peter had messed up big time. Peter was the man who braggadociously on his own told Jesus the night of the Last Supper, I won't betray you, Lord. takes my life. I'm with you, Lord. Isn't it easy how easy it is to talk? I remember, I remember well the night that I knelt as a child in a little old block building in South Nashville on a hill called Mars Hill at my little mission church that my daddy pastored. It was on a Sunday night. It was great service that night. Daddy preached a great message. He was given the altar call. 
And there were several people already came down. I was just playing around, carrying on like most kids do. A lot of it didn't affect me. I didn't, it wasn't planned out ahead of time. But all of a sudden, out of nowhere, God spoke in my heart. And I felt conviction. I thought, what is this? I didn't understand it. I didn't, I didn't know nothing about it. But something inside, something inside spoke to me and let me know. He, just like what the Word says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Man, I just kind of eased myself around across the front bench and over to the side bench. There was a, an extra room. Dad got out there and he built by himself, bricked that place up and fixed it. And I got over on that side. Then all of a sudden I looked around and nobody looking. I took a shot down there. And man, I began to boo-hoo and I began to cry. And I, I just... <sighs> I didn't know a whole lot. And just says, God, I just, I says, Lord, if you just save me, I'll live for you. I'll serve you all my life. Somewhere during the process, even though I was a young kid and I couldn't, at that time, didn't know what a whole lot of sin was at that time, still, that, that that thing called salvation come in and I felt like a thousand pounds was lifted off off of my spirit. <laughs> By that time daddy daddy knew that I was around him and he stopped and he looked back at me and said he said, What are you doing down there? And I just up there was tears and snot and everything else just pouring out and I said, I'm saved <laughs> And then he just started, Well, praise God, you know, Sammy saved and shouted another hour. But that night, as I was praying, I didn't know what else to pray, so I promised God, you know, I'll, I'll serve you all my life. Now, here I am, very quickly approaching those years called the 60s. I'm not there yet, but I'm getting close to them. I can see them down the road if I live that long. And can I tell you that I've lived all that time without sinning, without making a mistake, without messing up big time? If I tried to tell you that, I'd be a lie. So I know what failure is. I know what it is to fall on your face. But church, that's what grace is all about. It's not about how good you can live. It's, it's whether or not Jesus is in your life and that grace has got a hold of you. That's what makes a difference. That's what changes. And that's what makes a devil so mad because the devil knows he can't interfere with grace. So Peter had failed the Lord because he had already told me, he says, Peter, before the... Rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. And that happened. And now, after the crucifixion and the resurrection, Jesus is talking to him, and 
And uh, he said, do you love me? He said, you feed my lambs, feed my sheep. Feed my lambs these three times. You see, we don't like to talk about failure. In fact, there are many who try to hide their failures and pretend as if they had never happened. But failure in the context of human nature and our carnal flesh is as sure as the April 15th tax deadline. Hallelujah. Myself, I've failed in the past. If I live long enough, I'll fail again in the future. That's how come I'm dependent on His grace and on His blood. You see, we have all been there and we've all done that. There's nobody here without sin. There's nobody here who's never messed up. That's how come that's how come you don't have a right to judge and condemn somebody else. Jesus when, when, when those old religious guys brought to that woman caught in the very act of adultery, ready man, they come before man, these guys were bloodthirsty. You know what? I don't know why it is, but sometimes church people can be more bloodthirsty than anybody else. Man, all, all them old priests and all them old religious leaders, man, they was out for blood. You know what? There's a whole lot of pastors. Sorry to say who'd rather see somebody die and go to hell and see them come to the altar and get forgiveness and get restored. We've all been there. We've all done that. But the sad thing is there are ministries of all kinds being neglected because we have allowed failure to kill them. Watch this now. Listen to me. There's all kind of ministries in the body of Christ that are being neglected because we've allowed failure to kill those ministries. We fear. That's one reason. After we fail, we get, we get fearful. We, we're afraid to get up and try again. We are shamed, or many times we have not been given the opportunity to renew and restore ourselves because of some self-righteous spirits in some churches. Am I preaching yet? But God can. Look at your neighbor and say, God can. God can and God wants to resurrect your ministry. Hallelujah. He wants to resurrect your calling. He wants to resurrect your passion for the work in His kingdom. Hallelujah. Mm, my Lord, my Lord. So, don't say that people will be against me or condemn me over my past sins. What's new? 
a lot of people who's got talent, who's got abilities, who can be used in the kingdom of God, fail to let those ministries be re, uh, re, rebuilt again and restored after a failure because they, they listen to the devil and say, well, they'll condemn you. You done messed up here, here, and there, and everybody in the world knows about it. How can you serve God again? Well, I, let me tell you something. There's a great answer. That's why I love the Bible so much. God's got an answer for everything. Hallelujah. I don't have all the answers, but God does. In the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 31 through 34, let me read that. I've I, I, I got to move on. What then shall we say to these things? What things? What I just got through telling you. People condemning you and ridiculing you and telling you that you ain't got a right. Uh, to get up on the platform and sing a song again or play an instrument or, or work in the Sunday school department or do this or do that. Jesus told those old religious people, He said, They among you who is without sin, let them be the first to cast the stone. Amen. What happened? One by one they all dropped the rocks. So if you are got fear of letting God to restore your ministry, whatever that ministry may be, and part of that fear is because you're afraid somebody will condemn you or ridicule you or tell you you're not worthy or you don't have a right because of past sins, remember Romans 8. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Verse 33 is the very important part. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns. It is Christ who died, and furthermore, it is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It don't matter what men say. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Who is he shall bring a charge against God's elect? Listen, let me tell you something. Everybody in the house has got skeletons in the closet. But if I lay my, my life, all my sins, all of my failures, at the foot of the cross, <laughs> and that blood, that precious blood, covers and cleanse them. Don't nobody, nowhere, no how, have any kind of right to ever say a word to condemn me over something in the past because the cross took care of it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. What are you saying, Brother Sammy? I'm telling you right now, everybody in this room, 
who's ever had a ministry of any kind. Everything is a ministry. Anybody in this house who's ever had a ministry of any kind, I want you to know something. All those excuses you've been using, I just blew them out of the water. You might not. You might. You might leave here today and not start and get yourself renewed and start doing what God wanted you to do, but you ain't gonna be able to use these excuses. You're going to come up with some other. Come on, somebody. On this Resurrection Sunday, let God resurrect your ministry. Let Him resurrect your ministry. One more point, then I'm gonna close. And this may be one of the most important. The third and final thing, God being a resurrecting God, God can resurrect your joy. And there's a lot of people in the house that God needs a resurrection joy in your life. Now, this next scripture in the book of Acts chapter 2 I'm going to be reading this from the Holman Christian Standard Version of the Bible, particularly because of the way that it words a few things here. Now, this, talk, this, this takes place after the day of Pentecost when the church was born and God blessed everybody. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47, he says, Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple complex and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with a joyful and humble attitude, praising God and having favor with all the people. And every day the Lord added to them those who were being saved. Church, I can't end this message without speaking at least briefly about the need for God to resurrect the joy of many in God's church in this hour which we live. Listen, give me, just give me another minute to let me let me talk to you. Without peace, you will live a miserable existence. Amen. I think we've all around here been around the block enough to know that. If you don't have peace in your life, money's not going to give it to you. Fame's not going to give it to you. Fortune. Hallelujah. If you don't have peace in your life, I don't care what else you got, your, your, your existence is going to be miserable. And without joy, listen to me close. Without joy, you will not be an effective witness of Jesus Christ on this earth. Satan knows this, so he pours it on heavy to zap your joy so no one else will look at you and want what you've got in Jesus. we got too many church people today walking down the road of Emmaus with their heads hung low feeling sorry for themselves over things that's happened to them. Glory to God. And I don't care what else you do and what else that you're able to build up and whatever, 
If people don't look at you and if they can't see the joy in your life in spite of your circumstances, you will not be a witness for Jesus. You will not make somebody want to come to Jesus. Glory to God, they'll tell, they'll look at you. We at church people got our face look like a Missouri mule. Amen. And we don't ever crack a smile. And we don't have no joy in our life. We're not experiencing joy in our walk with God, in our church, and in our family. We're right where the devil wants us to be. Because we cannot lead nobody to God that way. We need to go back and remind ourselves some of the old hymns of long ago. Well, it is joy unspeakable and full of glory, full of glory. It is joy unspeakable. See? The devil knows that if he keeps your joy snuffed out, that's exactly right, Brother Rick. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is our strength. It keeps us going when when the rug's been pulled out from under us. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, I'm I'm fixing to close here. The joy of the Lord, Brother Steve, the joy of the Lord is why every time I go to a funeral home and I pay my last respects to somebody I know, even though there's sadness and there's heartbreak, because, you know, we we don't want to say goodbye to nobody that we love. But then, all of a sudden, so I won't do what Apostle Paul told uh, uh, the people back in he wrote to. He says, don't grieve as others grieve that don't have no hope. Apostle Paul said, if only in this life we have hope in Christ, he said, I would be of all men, what? Most miserable. Hallelujah. (laughs) It's really, it's, 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 it's really kind of crazy really here you are you're, you're you're feeling sad because of someone you know has passed on but yet there's a joy inside why is that why is that i remember years ago a preacher friend that we knew well and my dad worked with and we worked in uh, he helped me out a lot when i was just very young preaching gave me an opportunity to preach uh, probably that if, if, if now it was turned other I wouldn't have gave my own self an opportunity at the time <laughs> hallelujah but yet being kind and trying to help a young man out with a calling on his life and uh his name was, and I know there's some people here today who's going to know this. A lot of folks won't know, but I know there's a lot of people. There's some people today. His name was Homer George. Yes, sir. And uh, I remember getting the news that he had, he had passed on, and uh, when I, w- I went to the funeral home, and I walked up and I just looked there, and man, the smile that was on that guy's face. Hallelujah. 
my Lord, when you look at somebody who's know the Lord and live their life for the Lord, that kind of overshadows the sadness. You know what you have then? Jealousy. This guy's unmade it. He's got it made. I'm still here struggling. Amen. Glory to God. Don't let the devil zap your joy. Let on this Resurrection Sunday, let the resurrecting God resurrect the joy in your life. Of everything I could say about that, which I've already done said, there's still one other thing. I've seen a lot of people go back on God and backslide down through the years. But I've never seen man nor woman ever backslide who still had the joy of the Lord abounding in their heart. It's always... Somebody don't just backslide overnight. Hallelujah. It's a process, folks. It's a process. Hallelujah. Amen. When a person begins to lose their joy, you don't experience joy out of coming to the house of God. You don't experience joy out of the worship. You don't experience joy out of the Word of God being preached. You better start checking up because something's wrong. And if you're not, see, joy most of the time is the first thing to go. Hallelujah. That's how come King David prayed in Psalms 51 when he, after he had messed up and he had failed and he had fallen on his face. That's how come he prayed the prayer, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. King David knew that we had to have that joy. Let's stand together. If there's anything in anybody's life that you feel like that it's dead. It don't make no difference what caused the death. If it's hope, your hope is dead, been dashed to pieces, some kind of ministry, joy in your life, and there's a lot of other things that die that I didn't mention at the time. I mean, I can only talk about so many things. But why don't you, before you leave today, and there are plenty of people here, will come and help pray for you. Let the resurrecting God resurrect something in your life. Hallelujah. He is a resurrecting God. And He can resurrect whatever it is. Hallelujah.